0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023, and we're recording real early in the morning, 10, 25 a.m. as we speak. It was a late night, and now an early morning for the boys. Me and Colin here today. I'm am a 20-ounce I'm a Red Bull in, and I've got a cup of coffee sitting in front of me, so um, I'm either going to have a lot of energy, or my heart's going to stop halfway through this podcast. Um, we'll just have to see. Colin, how you doing this morning? We're feeling great. I'm
1: in the same boat as you, man. A lot of caffeine.
0: That's good. That's good because we've got a hyped-up podcast today. We got the MLB recap, and of course, you're going to hear us talk about J-Ram and Tim Anderson, but also all of this realignment news in college football that came out in this past week. We got to talk about it. Then we'll hit the Pac-12 preview, NFL news, and we'll round it out with a stake your claim. Colin has not gotten to do a stake here claim in a while, so figured we'd give him a shot. So, Colin, you ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right, we're starting with J-Ram and Tim Anderson. Let's set it up. All right, Jose Ramirez hits a double, slides into second. Tim Anderson, you know, puts the tag on. Jose is safe, whatever. Then they start exchanging words. And then about a second later, squaring up, Tim Anderson drops the glove hockey style and just starts going at Jose Ramirez. Probably lands, I don't know, one, two shots on him. And as Michael Kopech is pulling him off, uh, pulling Jose off, he just blindly swings and just hits Tim Anderson flush and just knocks him out. Straight yeah, down man. to the ground. It just
1: lands one punch and Tim Anderson's on his ass. Yeah, it and was it was crazy. Like you said, Tim Anderson, I think it was about two or three body shots that he got off onto Jose Ramirez. Yeah. And then Jose Ramirez just lands
0: that haymaker. But let's be honest, why are you taking like body shots in a baseball it's fight? Especially on a guy like Jose Ramirez. Yeah. You he's know a- you know,
1: you know he's going to be able to take those. He's got a lot of body to work with. <laughs> but no, just this just puts the icing on the cake with how bad Tim Anderson's season has been this year.
0: Yeah, and just to make this fight better, the Cleveland Radio call. Oh <laughs> my god, I I don't remember the broadcaster's name, but shout out to him because he called this one perfectly. Dude, and and I, and I will never, every time I see Tim Anderson now, in my mind, I'll just be replaying, down goes Anderson.
1: Yeah, dude, I thought I was watching a UFC fight there for a minute, the way uh, the announcer was going.
0: Yeah, like Joe Rogan would, like his eyes would be popping out of his head watching this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those moments that you're like, what what is going on right now? Yeah. But it's, it's that energy that sometimes you miss in baseball, because like, this used to happen a lot
0: back oh, yeah. in the day. But you don't really see it on the base paths. You typically see it like pitcher hitter. And yeah. and seeing it on the base path like that was interesting. And like Jose said that like, you know, through an interpreter, of course, that Tim Anderson had disrespected the game for years and blah blah blah. So obviously these two do not like each other.
1: Yeah, I just wanna know like what was said because Jose is a very laid back guy. Yeah, it's very hard to get him to throw hands. So I just want to know like what Tim Anderson had said.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to know what actually happened there. But uh, kind of the resolution of all this, Jose gets a three-game suspension. Emmanuel Clase got a one-game suspension. I don't really know what he did. Did he throw any punches? I don't I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything of Classe in this whole situation, but he got a one game suspension.
1: Maybe uh maybe the Guardians just wanted to suspend him to give someone else a chance to close because <laughs> he leads the MLB in blown saves this year.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. But he's also up there in saves. So he's given he's given us a, a real uh what is it, Kinley Jansen
1: moment in yeah. the Braves. Leading in both categories.
0: Yeah, that was tough. But Tim Anderson got suspended six games, but he is appealing it. So in the meantime, he's playing and started off his night yesterday by getting hit by pitch and exiting the game. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. No, it's it's absolutely crazy. And then the Cleveland High A affiliate team, uh, the Lake County Captains, are having Jose Ramirez Appreciation Week. All fans (laughs) named Tim get a free ticket to sit down on the grass. But if you wear your Jose Ramirez jersey, you get a free Bam Bam in the cargo hold. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a home run derby, or sorry, a home run punch derby, and a punch out competition in the 80s arcade at the park. What the fuck? That's that's Dude. fucking hilarious. Look, I know like this has got to be like a bunch of like you know, game day experience interns at <laughs> the Lake County Captain. Like you're a high A baseball team. You've got some good marketing interns on your hands. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's like you're making people
1: want to come out just to get this experience of, and relive what happened.
0: Yeah. Between the Guardians and the White Sox.
1: And I love it. I'm, I'm here for every second of it.
0: Yeah. But with all of this happening, it seems like all hell broke loose. And it started with Kenyon Middleton uh, recently got traded to the Yankees at the trade deadline and he got it all started. And um, I got a couple of quotes from the uh, article I read. He said, I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Like, how do you say anything about it because there are no rules? Obviously, speaking about the White Sox organization itself. And said, you have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing pitcher fielding practices. And there are no consequences for any of this stuff. (laughs) Like, how crazy is that? I I think the craziest part is guys sleeping in the bullpen. Yeah, that's
1: like you're you're playing at the highest level. You got to you got to set the examples for everybody. Yeah. Like like it's crazy. Like you're you're getting paid to set the standard for B- Major League Baseball. Yeah. So with sleeping in the dugout, missing meetings, like missing meetings like if you like miss a meeting is understandable. Um but if you're like consistently meeting like missing infield infield meetings and you're you're not the top guy, like that's just not something you want to do.
0: Yeah. And Kenyon Middleton is getting right to it. He actually, you know, playing for the Yankees, they just started a series in the South Side of Chicago against the White Sox on Monday. So, you know, maybe we'll see something interesting happen. Uh, maybe another fight, <laughs> because this led to some names being dropped. But before we get to that, Lance Lynn said that he saw Kenyon Middleton's comments about the White Sox culture problems, and his take was, I was there a lot longer than Key. He's not wrong. Damn. So Lance Lynn showing that, you know, maybe Kenyon Middleton's right. Well, then Shane Roy who does uh, Chicago Sports Radio, shared a story from the locker room that also caused some stir. Um, this is what he said on Twitter. Grandall wasn't in the lineup the day before the All-Star break and wanted to leave early. Made it very clear. Paraphrasing, Tim Anderson said, fuck him. If he doesn't want to be here, I'll pay for his flight. Then Grandall walked over to T.A., Tim Anderson, who was in the tub and slapped him across the face. <laughs> How the fuck are you going to slap a man when he's in the tub? <laughs> That's like just
1: the way you said that. It's like you just walked over there and slapped him across the face. Like you're a grown ass man. Yeah. If you're going to hit somebody, close your fucking fist <laughs> and punch him. Don't slap him like a little bitch. But you, ca- you can't hit a
0: guy while he's in a fucking tub. Yeah, I mean it's. You gotta Tim at Anderson. least at it's, least it's, let him get out. I mean, if Tim Anderson's gonna act like a little
1: bitch. I guess you can treat him like a little bitch. Yeah. But no, this
0: it's crazy. the white Sox, the
1: White Sox are crumbling, man. Yeah.
0: And just to add to it, ESPN's Jesse Rogers went on ESPN Radio Chicago and dropped names. Oh Lord! He said it's the ones you know. Grandal is no friend to the pitchers. Moncada is no hard worker who was there for his team or teammates. And Eloy is kind of happy-go-lucky, but really isn't the hard worker we think he is. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can definitely tell Moncada is not putting in the work. I mean, what, he's batting two fourteen this year? Yeah. And, and at the beginning of the season, this was supposed to be like a high-power a high, high offense that was supposed to be one of the best lineups in the league Yeah, And my guess is that also Grandal's not showing up to bullpen work to help with pitchers and really get on that same sheet of music. Especially if this guy's going to be your your top catcher. You want to be in sync with your pitchers. And, you know, maybe that's Lance Lynn really wanted to get out of there because he was tired of this shit. Their bullpens, one of the worst in the leagues, could be
0: in like – paired up with what's going on. Yeah. And I think this also kind of starts at the top when the team isn't holding guys accountable and there is no rules. Things like this happen. Things like Yasmany Grandol and Tim Anderson situation happen. Things like Moncada just kind of getting away with not working hard. Same for Eloy. It just happens because you're breeding a culture of it. And there's no telling how this is going in the lower levels is this why we haven't seen a lot of successful prospects coming up or or you know other than Luis Robert not a lot of like success recently has come up through the minors for the White Sox and i i think this could be a part of it yeah like really i think the only ones you can really talk about uh
1: Andrew Vaughn and i'm trying to think of the other one was, was it was it no, uh, it wasn't Sheets. Sheets got traded to the White Sox, right?
0: Um, no, I think he he might have come up with the White Sox.
1: Uh, I think Andrew Vaughn and yeah. is really, uh, and Michael Kopek.
0: Yeah, but Michael Kopech's been very yeah. slow.
1: Yeah, but he had a injury that took him a little bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, but yeah, like you said. When your higher-ups are not holding accountable, this is when you get people who try to hold people accountable in the locker room. Then you start to get your split, where you yeah. got people who don't want to listen, and next thing you know, you're a locker room divided, and that never ends well.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and Jesse Rogers kind of furthered his point after this, saying that these are the kind of guys that you have to ship off. Like th- this, yeah. That's the only way to deal with something like this is – Figure some things out at the management level, and ship off the guys that are obviously hurting the clubhouse. Yeah. Well, heck,
1: now, now I'm sure we know why Tim Anderson didn't go anywhere. Nobody fucking wants him.
0: Yeah, that that could be definitely a part of it. I I think like, that's probably part of the reason that they didn't really move any position players at the deadline. Really, just pitching. Yeah. So, like, are we gonna get some
1: just? Released from the club in the off season, or
0: Maybe.
1: like I don't know, like Johan uh, Moncada, he's someone that can be invested in in the off season for somebody, um, like like a Boston or hell even like I well not Cleveland anymore because yeah. Cleveland I don't think Cleveland's gonna take any White Sox players ever again. But Yoan know, Mankata still has the skills to be a phenomenal player. He's just got to get the work ethic in check.
0: Yeah, well, the same goes for Grandall and Eloy. Like, we know that Grandal can be a, a top-tier catcher, a very good hitter, has a great eye at the plate. But for the last three years or so, we just haven't seen that at all out of him. And... For Eloy, it's like, yeah, he had the injury before that. He was pretty good, certainly on an upward trajectory. And, yeah. and now this season, we haven't really seen much. Yeah. You, you know who I think might be the, like, this
1: is just straight opinion. I know nothing about it, but who one of the hardest working people in, in this starting lineup for the White Sox is? And I'm going to go Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. I feel like he is the hardest working in that locker room.
0: I'll even put Luis Robert up there. Yeah, it seems like those are the two that you never really hear about off the field. Yeah, and those are the two that are
1: having the highest production for the team right now.
0: Yeah, true.
1: They're both just under 280. Uh, You know, Luis Robert leads in home runs, leads in RBIs. Benintendi's giving them their solid two-spot right now, which I don't know why he's not batting leadoff.
0: Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh but let's move on from this um and let's talk about the Orioles. So they suspended one of their TV announcers Kevin Brown uh for comments that he made on the lack of previous wins uh, in previous seasons. And he brought this up because a graphic was shown on the broadcast. And supposedly he was specifically told not to comment on this. So why the, why are you showing a graphic on the screen that you don't want the announcers to comment on? Because if you've ever watched local broadcasting or any broadcast of an MLB game, they put a graphic up on the screen, and these guys have notes to talk about. Like, it doesn't matter where you watch baseball, what team you're watching. It is always, when they show a graphic on the screen they're going to talk about it yeah
1: i mean what you're just going to show it to the rest of the world but the the announcers just have to stay silent yeah like why would As you, you even staying? why would you even put it there in the first place yeah i mean these announcers they get in a the groove they get yeah. rolling when this shit comes on they don't think twice about what's being said cuz they're like oh it's it's here we're good to talk about it um like I think What's Brandon Gauden has said fuck like 3 times this season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got you got Phillies uh broadcasters like fucking criticizing Ron Washington yeah. and Mar- and Marcelo Zuna. What? They don't get any punishment for that? Nope. So any any announcer
0: can just start shit talking other teams on the live telly. But It's crazy. But apparently the comments that he made made the ownership feel like that it made them sound cheap because, you know, previous years, whatever. This season, the Orioles are 29th in payroll in the MLB. Bro, the guy's not lying. Yeah, you guys are cheap.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. This is like the first year that it's working. Yeah. So like look, look, we can be we can be honest. Ever since the Orioles, you know, got rid of like sent Machado off, Adam Jones retired, they've been straight dog shit. Yeah. Like worse than the league. Like they I'm pretty sure they were holding like the worst records there for a little bit. Like they were the
0: Oakland Athletics back in the day. Yeah. Well, in case you forgot, they had, what, like three years straight of first-round picks? Or first-overall yeah. picks? Yeah. It's just, we're we're seeing these guys up now. Yeah. But like it, it's crazy that they did this because they essentially set him up. Like, I, I don't believe that they said not to comment on a graphic they put on the screen. I, I cannot yeah. believe that. And, like... Broadcasters across the league Are all backing him on this Like Guys like Yankees broadcasters Michael Kay And John Sterling Angels broadcaster Wayne Randazzo Red Sox announcer Dave O'Brien Their other announcer and former Red Sox Kevin Uclus, uh White Sox announcer Jason Benetti, among others Have all been defending him On live TV, on radio Everywhere And it just seems like this is entirely unfair. Yeah, they're setting a bad example
1: for broadcasters. Yeah. Because it's like, now you have to question everything that gets put on the
0: screen. Like, can we talk about this? Like, what, like what's going on? Yeah, like, I remember, like, just a, a handful of years ago, even the start of the season last year and the year before, like, Chip Carey and Jeff Francoeur the the last two years when the Braves didn't really start off all that hot and had to kind of come back and take the division, they were pretty critical of this team. And they were pretty critical of decision making by Brian Snicker and, and others. But it, yeah, they never really questioned the front office. They questioned more what was going on on the field. It, it's still it's same like shit. Yeah, it's the same thing. And no repercussions, because that's part of their job. They're not supposed to sit there and sugarcoat everything. They're supposed to yeah. be there, announce a game, talk about what people want to hear while watching the game. That's what commentary is. It's, it's genuinely talking about what is happening, and that's what was happening. This is what's happening with the Orioles. They're winning now, and they used to not win. Everybody's aware of that.
1: Yeah, they're just stating the obvious. Yeah. So So I don't know I don't know ridiculous. what the the Orioles front office is trying to hide. Yeah. But there's nothing left to hide, my guy. Exactly. So we we stand
0: behind the Orioles announcer
1: cuz he's just doing really? his fucking job. Yeah.
0: Shout out Kevin Brown. Bring him back. Yeah. It's bullshit. Uh but let's get into some winners and losers. First winner, and it pains me to say it, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, dude. They're
1: Dude, don't they lead the uh, MLB and run scored since the All-Star break? Yeah, by like 40. And <laughs> crazy. And we, for, we saw it this past weekend in yeah. that
0: series versus the Braves. Except for one game. <laughs>
1: yeah. Was it Friday night when the Braves won eight-none?
0: Yeah. And then they proceeded yeah. to stomp us on Saturday and Sunday.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the first time the Cubs won a series against us in years.
0: Yeah. And look, they started the season 26-36. and 36. They're now 58-55, and 55, one game out of the wild card in the National League. Uh, I think two and a half games out just on the lead in their division. And they're coming off quite a serious win over the Braves. So, um, you know, if they could get their pitching back on track, because Marcus Stroman's ERA is pretty tough. Uh, I believe the yeah. last time I checked, it was a 9.11, not a number you like to see.
1: Yeah. I uh what is that? I uh I showed you that. It was like since was it since the All-Star break? I believe so. It, no, it was just the month of July. Yeah. In the month of July, he posted a 9.11 ERA. Yeah. Which is for a guy who was in the All-Star game and the first half He was slated the, to be the starter for the National League. Bro, The first the first half he he led the league in ERA, the NL in ERA.
0: Yeah. What the fuck? That's like... That's the I, thing. I'm, like, I'm speechless. But it, this happens all the time with guys like Marcus Stroman, ground ball pitchers, yeah. like guys that just give up contact. Yeah, it's going to happen. Getting, and there's going to be streaks getting, where guys are just going to hit the ball off of you because you don't really have like the strikeout, blow you away type stuff.
1: Yeah, and you get you start to get into some ballparks that don't hold the ball very well. So then you start getting your two run, three run, home runs, and next thing you know, you're giving up six runs in one inning.
0: Yeah. And his home ballpark is notoriously known for runs.
1: Yeah, we we saw that from Matty O last <laughs> weekend. From um, Matt Olson just absolutely annihilated the Cubs this weekend. Yeah. From his point of view.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, but let's get to the first loser of the week. Uh, it's the New York Yankees. It's been a tough two weeks. Last week, they were all over the losers part of this segment. But this week, I'm putting them all together. <laughs> They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They had some rough games against the Astros, but ultimately split the four-game series. Uh, Judge had a horrible series. 0-12 in the series with 6 Ks. Um, they had one game, I believe it was Sunday, where they walked the Astros 12 times while leaving 15 runners on base themselves and lost 9-7. to Jeez. And uh, this last one is for Luke. Uh, Carlos Rodon was once again horrible. Yeah. The, did, I, did I see that he got hurt again? Uh, yes, but he said that he, he, he feels good enough that he'll avoid the I.L. Uh but yeah, left the game with the injury after two point two innings, three hits, five earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, puts his season ERA at a seven point three three.
1: Yeah, I mean, how um throw Aaron Boone with that for the shit he put on last night with the umps. Did you see yeah. that? Oh yeah. Like just going out there mimicking the umpire and just making a fool of himself. I do love it, and, though. Yeah, and but not to <laughs> mention they lost to the White Sox. Yeah, right? that's tough. Granted, it was Dylan Cease pitching, and he he threw five and one uh, five and one third inning, gave up one hit, no runs, six Ks, but he ha- he he walked seven batters and still well, got the win.
0: Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Uh, but my next winner the Dodgers because they're on the verge of signing highly touted pitching prospect Hun Suk Jong who recently announced that he will not be entering the KBO draft and wants to sign for an MLB team this year so but he but he's just swapping places with Trevor Bauer <laughs> well Trevor Bauer's going to play or plays in the the Japanese league not the yeah. KBO but uh, I just same I place.
1: just I just did international. I take yeah. international and MLB and that's my two divisions. Yeah,
0: and he'll get to play with a Japanese player in Shohei Otani next year. So
1: Well, so you better you <laughs> better stop. If, if Shohei Otani is playing for the Dodgers, Bro, they I'm better done lose watching
0: baseball. like like I know like the only real Issue like the only like luxury tax type things that actually happen to teams is like they get a lower draft pick. If the Dodgers have Shohei Otani on the payroll next year, they better lose all of their draft picks. Because, bro, if
1: you have a top three hitters in Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, and Freddie Freeman, like what the fuck, and then you also have Will Smith, Max Muncie, like. That's
0: terrifying. Yeah, very
1: much. Not as good as the Braves this like top up, <laughs> top of the lineup, but it's up there.
0: Yeah, it's not like that's three former MVPs at the top of the lineup. All right. Why well, you got to put it in that perspective? I'm just I, saying. I'm trying... Oh my god. It's three it MVPs. It would be the Dod- it, it would World be the Dodgers to- trophies as well. It would be the Dodgers to piss me off and land Shohei Otani. Yeah, I think he should go to the Giants. It, That'd be way cooler. That—that's what I've been saying. Getting to see him hitting to, um, Jesus Christ, I'm blanking. The water, McCovey Coast. McCub- yeah, McCovey Cove, and then also <laughs> uh, triple galore. In yeah, that, in that corner. Oh my God, hitting into triples alley. Oh man. <laughs> He he already leads the league in triples, and he plays at Angel yeah.
1: Stadium. But here, here I wanna—I just saw something for the Yankees. Uh, looking at some of their stats, do you know what their run differential in the season is
0: so far? Um, no. I don't. Zero. Real? Oh yeah. Okay, I did see that earlier. I didn't know if that was a, a recent thing, but it's like, I I can't remember the numbers. But yeah, it's perfectly yeah. even. Like all of their numbers, for some reason, are just perfectly even. Four eighty five, four eighty
1: five. Yeah,
0: that is tough. And
1: it's like, yeah, that's not a
0: lot. I think I saw that in their last two hundred games, they're ninety nine and one hundred one, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. Lincoln Yankees. But let's move on. My next loser. Uh, The Mets, Reds, Diamondbacks, and Angels. All these teams started 0-6 after the All-Star break. The Mets and Reds both picked up a win. The Angels and D-backs haven't been as lucky. Uh, But the fact that the D-backs made moves at the deadline, the Angels made like five moves at the deadline, the Reds were buyers at the deadline. I think they only really made one trade. And they were all in the same position as the Mets, who sold away all of their pitching.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Angels are now 8 games out of the wild card uh behind team behind the yeah. Yankees, the Red Sox and the Mariners. So that's going to be a hard deficit to come back from. And then Arizona dropped behind the Cubs and the Marlins. And it's just right in front of the Padres. So that's not a good look or not, and the Reds are about to fall out of the wild card race, especially with how hot the Cubs are surging. Yeah. So, but like you said, with Arizona, if you're out here making moves and the Angels,
0: it's not like
1: the Lucas Giolito trade has been horrible so far. Yeah. Uh, CJ I, Cron has he won a game.
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. CJ Cron and Randall Grichuk look pretty good. Um, yeah, but there's still weak spots in this lineup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, sort of like the lower end in your. I'm trying to think of the players, but really, it's just pitching. Yeah, these two teams. Like for Arizona, you're just relying on Zach Gallon. and the other games, it's getting blown out out of proportion. Yeah, like same for the Angels.
0: Really do so much. You you get yeah, you get but, one night of Shohei Otani. And then the rest of the week is just a toss up. Because Breed Dettman's yeah, like, really hasn't been that good recently.
1: Yeah, and Giolito was supposed to be your number two guy. Yeah. But he can't make it through the fourth inning in any of the starts. Yeah. So but I will s I will say this I just cause I just saw it. Congrats to Baltimore for becoming the second team to get to seventy wins this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I'm actually about to talk about Baltimore. Uh, they're my next winner. Uh, mainly yeah. the scouts for the Orioles because, good God, did they get it right with Jackson Holiday? Oh, dude, that man has been surging through the minors. Yeah. Uh, he looks like a future superstar, and the future does not look very far away. In double A, 13 games, he's batting 396, an on base of 448, and a slugging of 642. He's got four doubles, three homers, five walks. He struck out eight times in thirteen games. It's not that bad. OPS a ten ninety. And might I remind you, he's nineteen years old.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you know damn well his
0: dad's like, you little fuck, you think you can be better than me? <laughs> but like, holy shit, did they get this pick right? They could have got yeah. Drew Jones instead of him.
1: Nah, bro. Yeah, yeah, Drew Jones is good and he's oh, definitely man. shown improvement. Drew Jones's swing has got so much better from when he was in high school and he's
0: still bad though.
1: Yeah, but I mean you get him cuz of his defense. His defense is really good.
0: Yeah, his defense is good. But across all three levels that he's played at this season, Jackson Holliday is now hitting 342 with a 464 on base and a 543 slugging. Tell me he ain't getting pulled up right before the postseason. When that roster expands?
1: Yeah, dude. Uh, but, yeah. Dude, there's another... Uh, so, there's a guy in the Cardinals organization, in Victor Scott, who, in two seasons in the minors, already has 86 stolen bases. Holy shit. Yeah. And, just to put it, in the two seasons the two seasons is including this season right now yeah uh let's see uh basically in 96 games he has 86 stolen bases
0: holy shit <laughs> like what yeah that's fucking crazy
1: like i just saw that i saw it on uh I fucking read it the other day, and I just wanted to throw that out there that that man yeah. is insane.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, but let's get to my final loser, Angel Hernandez. He's back uh, after oh, his uh, just, rehab assignment that I think he, I, I'm just so weird. Uh, but, I saw that game. Yeah, he missed 23 calls in Sunday's Yankees Astros game. The amount of like, Strikes that were called balls that game Yeah Was horrible There was some ridiculous balls called strikes too There was one like probably four inches high Yeah Like if the catcher didn't catch it It was hitting Angel Hernandez in the face If he was standing up
1: Yeah I mean like one of the ones he missed was a Belt high Right down the middle of the zone And he called it a ball Yeah Yeah and i'm just i i saw that and i'm like what the fuck like how can you be this bad i don't know like it's I another really one of those it. things it's another one of those things that we come back to that you're umpiring you're supposed to be the highest level on the MLB stage and you're doing this shit like yeah. you're making you're making it easier for people to just go to the robotic strike zone like it's Angel Hernandez. I'm sorry, but
0: you gotta hang, hang it up, man. Yeah, my my issue is like, there's gotta be a minor league umpire that's better than him. There's gotta be many. I'm sure there's college umpires or even high school <laughs> umpires that are better than him.
1: I think I've seen some rec ball umpires that are better than him.
0: Yeah, maybe a certain guy that you might be talking to right now. I'm just kidding. I. Never went behind the plate in my career. I was, I was about to say the highlight. Of, <laughs> the highlight of my been, umpiring career was throwing out an old man who wasn't related to the five year olds that I was umpiring for. You gotta. You've been out of the game for a minute, but if you yeah. lock back in, I think we could. We could definitely see. We see a bright future for you. Yeah, it took me about. Umpire. It took me about four games of kid pitch to realize that I actually had to call the infield fly rule. <laughs> forgot about that um yeah I mean, I, you don't have to yeah so the yeah the two highlights throwing out an old man who was just watching five-year-olds play baseball and wasn't related yeah. to them um and cursing at me um and almost passing out uh at a I uh, had a four games back to back to back to back on a June day in Georgia in two <laughs> shirts and a pair of pants and I just had to keep doing the games. Didn't get to go get water, and during the end You're of like the second, well, during the end of the second game, I just almost passed out because I couldn't. I couldn't leave the field to go get water. Damn! No fan brought you water, no coach brought nope. you water. Come on, you got see.
1: This is what I'm talking about. Take care of your umpires, all right? Exactly. Unless it's Angel Hernandez, let him die on the field. <laughs> no, but I, I want to get back to this. So. You never called the infield inf- fly rule? You just assumed that the team would know that it's
0: happening without saying well, anything? So, like, the situation never really happened. It was just, like, um, the guy that I was working with on that game didn't ever signal to me, which you're supposed to signal to the infield umpire. Like, you know, everybody has, like, a signal. Typically, like, you have, like, a signal where, like, you put your hand like at the top of your head or something like that to know that it's in effect. And he never signaled to me. And I was like, that's weird. And so like, I wasn't thinking about it. And then like my fourth game working with this guy, I I, like talked to him at the beginning. I was like, Hey, like I haven't seen you do any kind of signals to me. So I don't know if we're on the same page. He was like, what would I need to signal? And I was like the infield fly rule. Just to make sure that we're on the same page about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, typically, you know, everybody just kind of knows." And I was like, "Really?" Because I every umpire that I've seen in a game that I've played in signals to each other when there's infield fly rule in effect. Man, he was just calling you stupid. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" I've, I literally before umpiring with that guy, I had only umpired like four year olds. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They were like eating dirt.
1: Man, I've seen some high schoolers that still eat dirt.
0: That's fair. But We live live in a weird... No more of my umpiring career because it sucked. Um, Let's talk... I just have a couple of extra news things before we get into your stuff. But uh, Pablo Reyes of the Red Sox had a game like no other. And I'm serious. Nobody has ever done what he did in a single game. Three plus hits, three plus runs... Multiple extra base hits, a stolen base, and a walk-off Grand Slam. Nobody has ever put up all of those in one game until Pablo Reyes. Yeah, that, that Grand Slam was something to, like, that was insane. Oh, my insane. God. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, the Brewers threw a one-hitter against the Rockies. Um, and if you're from Colorado, that's not the one-hitter I'm talking about. It's when you only give up one hit. Um, <laughs> nine, nine innings pitched, one earned run, one hit, zero walks, 16 strikeouts. And what's crazy about this one is that Ezekiel Tovar hit a first inning home run. And then the Brewers pitchers retired the final 26 Rockies in a row.
1: Jeez.
0: Yeah, no pitcher for the Brewers in that game pitched from the stretch.
1: Freddie Peralta looked phenomenal.
0: Yeah, he looked fucking great.
1: Like, struck out 13 and only, I think, was it seven innings of work?
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah. Like, whew. Yeah, and um, shout-out Davis Schneider. His start to his uh, career in the big leagues with the Blue Jays. Hot. After his first three big league games, batting 692 and 1887 OPS – and uh, put up nine hits in his first three games that tied the MLB record.
1: Yeah, I mean, what is it? it had a lot to do with that thirteen to one win against Boston. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh but let's let's get into uh, some talk about just the teams and how they sit. I'll, I'll let you take the lead here. Yeah, I mean, so really, we mentioned it earlier. Baltimore joined
1: um, Atlanta with being the only team with seventy wins. But really, the wild card spots are really what we want to look at right now. So we're starting to get some more separation in the AL. Uh, with right now, you got Tampa Bay, Houston, and Toronto claiming those AL wild card spots. Seattle's three games back, Boston's five games back, and the Yankees are five and a half. Really, those are the only three teams that I think have a shot at taking over that last spot. I, listen, at the end of the day, I think Tampa Bay and Houston. Tampa Bay staying in the wild card. I don't see any change in that happening. Houston I'm sort of in the same boat, but they're they're right there with Toronto, both 64, 49, 64 50. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um let's see. And then when we go back to the NL, you got San Fran, Philly and Cincinnati. So but you have two teams right now that are surging. Philly is surging. Uh, only two and a half games back from claiming the top in a wild card spot. I don't see them overthrowing the Braves, but the way the Braves have been playing recently, we're scoring a lot of offense, but our pitching is quite literally horrendous. Can I get you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Strider against Pittsburgh last night was awful. Like it's fucking Pittsburgh. You're making Connor Joe look like a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But no, but Chicago, Miami's still in it. Like they're only one and a half games back. We haven't really seen their trade pieces get off to a hot start yet. Um, I think Jake Berger's had a couple 0 for 4 games since joining the team. But really, it's their pitching that's keeping them in. Sandy Alcantara is looking like the Cy Young that we love and that we saw last year. Um, Yuri Perez is about he has he's not back up yet, right? Uh no, I don't believe so. But he he I can promise you that he will be back up probably yeah. in this month. We will see him back up. Because really the only thing that they were doing was just conserving innings when they sent him down.
0: Yeah, and now that they're, you know, two and eight in their last ten, they've lost five straight. Like they need some kind of saving grace, and I think he's it. Yeah, I mean He's a guy that's gonna help him, like because right now
1: Sandy Alcantara can't do everything with how good he's been pitching. Uh, Cabr- Cabrera's looking a little bit better, yeah, but not great. I think next season is we'll, where we will really see him take off. You know, because this is—is is this this his second year? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Second year, so. He's still trying to get comfortable and everything. Um, But, dude, next year when you have the three-headed monster and Sandy Alcantara, Yuri Perez, and Cabrera, yikes. Yeah, they're going to be good. That's terrifying. But right now we're starting to see San Diego and the Diamondbacks really start to slip away.
0: Yeah, well, San Diego kind of now kind of getting back into it almost. um, Yeah. But, yeah, the Diamondbacks certainly slipping away. They've lost six in a row. Um, But but here's the thing. They're still only two games back. Yeah, and the Padres, who start off the season so badly, are now only four games out. They're only two games behind the Diamondbacks.
1: Yeah, so it's – I do want to shout out the Nationals, though, on a four-game win streak. Way to go. C.J. Abrams is starting to settle in that they're that leadoff spot. Good. But but too bad he plays on a shit team. that will never win anything in their yeah. life. Yeah, um, what's it? I think that's really it for team standings right now. Uh, but I know there are a couple players that I just want to mention and give a shout-out with how well they've been playing. And one, that's Bobby Witt Jr. Over in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. The man's been slugging. I think he's on... Like a he might be on like a ten or eleven hit streak right now, but his extra bases right now is insane, like he's consistently getting your doubles and hitting for power for home runs, but he has probably one of the fastest swings that I've seen in in at least three years that's uh that's high praise like like. I'm trying to think. Did you, the walk off the walk off grand slam? Did you see that swing? Yeah, it, it was a couple days ago. Where that pitch was and how he somehow hit that out. It's he's got an insane hit tool. It almost hit him, Grayson. Yeah, and he hit it. Excuse me. <laughs> it he it almost he it almost hit him, and he still somehow hit it for a grand slam off Johan Duran. Yep. Who threw 102 on that pitch? Yeah. So that's really that's really about all I got.
0: All right. Yeah. I. Any I, other? Any other players you want to shout out? Like obviously Matt Olson, he's yeah. absolutely surging, especially with the home runs. Um, what what is he at now? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. But here's the thing: he's cutting down on strikeouts,
1: and he's putting the ball the other way. Yeah. For singles and doubles um he's making he's making a name for himself in this mvp race
0: yeah last seven games or last seven days so last six games 21 at bats he's hit he's got seven hits five ru- or yeah five runs a double three homers 10 rbis he's walked five times and he's only struck out three i couldn't ask for more out of him
1: yeah like he's putting together a Fantastic second half right now.
0: Yeah, and he already had a good first half. Like, yeah, the 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 contact wasn't there, but the power was, and now he's just bringing both into it, and it looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, so he's making Braves fans not miss Freddie Freeman a single single second. I haven't at all. <laughs> yeah, i've I've been happy with Matt Olson's production, and I think he is happy where he's at and having the time of his life. Yeah, and I'm glad. Um, is that going to do it for the MLB? I, I think so. I don't really have anything else really on the top of my head right now. All right.
0: Then let's get into college football conference realignment. There is a whole lot going on right now, and it all kind of came out in the last week. But, um, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into the new moves. Um we had the Big 10 has confirmed Washington and Oregon will be joining likely 2024 or 25. I'm not too sure the years, but it'll likely be 25, and then the big 12 bringing in Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah. Jesus. yeah, that,
1: that, that only leaves, that only leaves four schools in the PAC 12.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. It's Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. And my question to you is: Are any of these teams really worthy of a spot in the Big Ten or even the Big Twelve? Just so like the the teams
1: that you listed off and that have been confirmed going is that what you're asking?
0: No, I mean I mean the teams that are that are left Still in the yeah like where are they going to go? Because it, it you know they're kind of on track. Like you got to you'd have to get a bunch of teams to move up from like the group of five into power five at PAC 12. And at that point, is it really a power five conference? Yeah. Like it, it's
1: really not. And like really the only school that I can see make a push to like do that is Oregon state. But Cal Stanford and Washington state, I don't see joining a big conference. No. Like they've been at the bottom for a while.
0: Yeah, I think this is kind of we're we're pushing towards a a power four at this point, and there's really no telling what's going to happen with the ACC. It already looks like Florida State's trying to leave. They have been for like the last year. Um, You know, Clemson's not very happy with the pay structure as well. Miami's kind of in the same boat. They honestly they had like half the conference on their side. You know, just earlier this summer talking about trying to leave, so you know i'm seeing that maybe the big 10 is an option for florida state because they're a bit they're they're too big of a market to move to the big 12 at this point now that texas and oklahoma are leaving and yeah. if they're not happy with how things are going in the acc i don't think the sec wants more teams after texas and oklahoma so the big 10 is really their only option yeah the only uh, the
1: only way they would fit in the sec is if we cut out teams like missouri and <laughs> Sorry, dude. I got something stuck in my throat. Pause. Ah, uh, but uh, wait, what? What? Nah, but like you take <laughs> out teams like Missouri, you take a team out like Vanderbilt. Um, but it just doesn't make sense for Vanderbilt to leave.
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't make um, sense for many teams to leave the SEC.
1: Yeah, but, not nah, like you said, it's it's something to stay on top of because.
0: It's it's definitely interesting. Right yeah, now. and a, another topic of conversation is Notre Dame. You know, with everybody moving around, are they content with remaining independent? I I I think they're going to stay independent personally, yeah. but there's still options for them to join the Big Ten. It would make a lot of sense, especially geographically, which is obviously out the window, but still. Yeah. It. Like it, I think it's most beneficial
1: for them to join a a conference because you win your conference, you make a better name for yourself to go out and play in college football playoffs and fight for a national championship. Yeah. Because recently, that's what it's been over the years. Like they're winning games, but like they're not playing in conference championships, they're not doing all this.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it, you know, part of what helps them if they do stay independent is that college football playoff expands in 24. So it goes Mm -hmm. to 12 teams. And Notre Dame is perennially like a top 15, even top 10 team. So if they kind of stay in that boat, they remain independent, they have their own contracts, they negotiate everything themselves, the money comes straight to them, it doesn't go to the conference, and then split up a bunch of a bunch of team or amongst a bunch of teams, they continue to work with that. And obviously, I don't know what's going on with them and NBC because they used to have exclusive rights to Notre Dame, uh, all of Notre Dame's home games at least. And now, like, NBC is part of the Big Ten's next deal. So I don't know what that really means for Notre Dame, but they can continue to negotiate for themselves if they stay independent. And I think that adds like an interesting wrinkle because of what I just said with the college football playoff expanding. They don't have to join a conference. You don't have to be a conference champion or or even make a conference championship to make the college football playoff anymore once it's at 12 teams.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely helps with those divisions that are stacked. Like when you have teams that finish like third and fourth and – the division that still only have like one loss, yeah, definitely exactly. they 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 get a chance and can still fight for that top twelve spot to compete. Um, it's definitely going to be something to get used to because it's just more football for us to watch. Yeah, that, that's where I that's where I stand. With how I like it
0: because at the end of the day, I'm getting more college football. Exactly, uh, but my next thing is that you know is the Big Ten going to be done at 18 teams because you can still kind of schedule that but if they go to 20 by adding probably Florida State and Notre Dame you know what does that look like for the Big 10 like it it certainly shakes things up for for scheduling of course but kind of just everything around the Big 10 changes if you add 20 teams
1: yeah like if you have a 20 team conference that's that's a fucking that's a lot. Yeah. Um and it it like it makes it makes it harder for teams to fight for that spot cuz but it's just when you look at the games like when you look at a conference you want to play almost everybody in your conference uh, at the end of the day when you look at it but when you have 20 people or 20 teams that's You almost need to make like your whole schedule just conference games. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, like it's crazy. Like you need to take out your cupcake games and just play straight. Honestly, that would be that'd be an interesting season. It sure would. It it, it wouldn't
0: be fun. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) But like the Big Ten, you're like because top conference, you're getting conference games every week that really that makes every week the most important g- game to your season
0: yeah but also i think that limits you know what we see from teams if they're not playing these teams from other conferences how do yeah. we know like like how good is that conference if we haven't seen them face anybody yeah. outside of it yeah like if you're not getting your big 10 or your
1: sec matchups like Like your, your big, your big 10 versus sec or your big 12 versus ACC and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So I I think that part is, is definitely uh, an interesting part to look at. And then also how does this affect this, you know, changing college football playoff format? Now that we're moving to 12 teams, there's a whole lot of teams that could just go wherever they want because it's not about winning your conference. It's about being competitive And in winning games, it's, it's not about, you know, you don't have to go undefeated. You don't have to have a one loss season to make the college football playoff. Like if we look last year at the standings at the fight, like at the end of the year in college football, you know, there's some teams in there that arguably shouldn't have made it and it, it really shakes things up.
1: Yeah. Which I mean it's gonna be yeah, it's like this it's like the whole two lane situation everybody was saying you- you remember that, yeah, like how they they were in the top ten, like with this new format, we have teams like two lane uh who are in the non power five um, get a showcase to make a name for themselves,
0: yeah, and like, yeah, let's look, so last year. College football playoff rankings. The final college football playoff ranking would have had obviously the top four that made the college football playoff, and then Bama, Tennessee, Clemson, Utah, Kansas State, USC, Penn State, and Washington.
1: Okay. Yeah. So see so you're adding two extra SEC schools right there.
0: Yeah. What was that? Was that th- three Pac 12? Uh yeah. Washington, USC, and Utah and then you add Clemson and Kansas State from the ACC and the Big 12, respectively. Wait, you
1: said Kansas State from the ACC?
0: No, Clemson from the ACC, Kansas
1: right. State from the Big 12. The way you said it, you said Clemson and Kansas
0: State from the SEC. No, I said Clemson right. and Kansas ACC. State from the ACC and Big 12, yeah. respectively. Okay. Um. But, and then right outside would be Florida State, Oregon State, Oregon uh, and Tulane would have missed it as well, but I think now because like there was there would have been three or no two three lost teams in the in the playoff. There would have been Penn State, Washington, Utah or no Penn State, Washington, Tennessee, and Alabama who all didn't play in their conference championship all would have made it that's huge for the future yeah. of college football
1: yeah it it really it gives you the mindset like you said earlier you don't have to win your conference championship but you still have to win games so like at the, like er, the way the way it has been is like if you lose a game basically your shots have been shot yeah um so now it gives you a different perspective to look at it
0: Dude, like, imagine. We we would have gotten to see, so, like, the way the matchups would have sorted out, we would have seen Georgia-Washington, Michigan versus Penn State, a rematch, TCU versus USC, Ohio State versus Kansas State, Utah-Alabama, and then Tennessee-Clemson, which we actually got to see Tennessee-Clemson last year, but still, um, it would have meant something. I think... What- I would have been
1: most excited for that Washington. Washington, Georgia.
0: Georgia? I don't know. I think Georgia still would have stopped them. Defense was just so good.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like it would be an interesting matchup.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I think Ohio state, Kansas state would have been very good. Yeah. Especially with how good Kansas state is, you know, last year, how well they played TCU. There's really no telling. Um, but you know I think the future of college football as much as we're in this chaos situation right now I think it looks pretty bright I think yeah, there's exciting things happening
1: It's it's heading in the right the right direction for sure
0: Yeah so you know speaking of heading in the right direction let's talk about a conference that's obviously not the Pac-12 Um I think, you know, this year and next year, really this year, because USC and UCLA will be gone uh, in 24, this is kind of the final year of the real Pac-12. And yeah. I, I I think it's serving to be pretty exciting. Uh, so let's get into our standings predictions here. Um, let's go read off your top four, uh, and then I'll do mine. All right, my top four is USC.
1: Washington, Utah, Oregon.
0: Okay. Mine's USC, Washington, Oregon, Utah. Okay. So So we're in the same boat. Yeah. Okay. Next four.
1: Next four. All right. I got UCLA, Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty close to me. I've got Oregon State, UCLA, Arizona, Washington State.
1: Yeah, and then my final group is Arizona, Cal, Stanford.
0: What about Arizona State?
1: Did I forget them
0: out? Yep, and you only said 11 teams. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, because uh, Arizona State is second to last in mine, and it's a yeah, pretty safe about, place to put them.
1: I was about to say, I'll throw them between Cal and Stanford.
0: Yeah, uh, and then I have Colorado, Cal, Arizona State, Stanford. I think Cal, Arizona <laughs> State, and Stanford are like, so obviously the bottom 3
1: yeah it's stanford's
0: just been so bad yeah recently it's yeah and with all the the coaching changes and the issues with like yeah everything there it's it's a mess but i i think with colorado like you could honestly put them anywhere and i'd be like mm-hmm. okay i understand it yeah we won't
1: see we won't see anything until They start playing games. Yeah, like
0: we know, we know nothing right now. We know that they're coached by Deion Sanders, who did a great job with recruiting at Jacksonville or Jackson State. Obviously, transferred just about all of his good players, and the biggest being Travis Hunter and his son Shador Sanders. Those are going to be the biggest impact guys. But they added a ton of great players, either players that were with them at Jackson State or other guys. Throughout the transfer portal that came in, and, and they washed out all the weak links. Everybody, essentially, that was at Colorado last year that Dion didn't like, out no. the door.
1: They're they're playing at places like non non power five, like your group of five schools.
0: Yeah, yeah, for the most part. And look, I I think. Let's kind of go back and talk about our top fours here. I think USC and Washington are the easiest picks. They have high-powered offenses, and they also have some standout defensive players.
1: Yeah, they're led by great quarterbacks who yeah. know the game and, but like you said, just ball out and put points on the board.
0: Yeah, and then for Oregon and Utah, it's kind of the same thing, just a little bit lower. You know, a little bit lesser than USC and Washington. They both have very good, very experienced quarterbacks, and yeah. they've got great players all around the field. For me, Utah, they're just a winning situation. especially like It's one of the hardest environments to play in at home, so you can essentially chalk them up for undefeated at home, maybe one loss. On the road, maybe it's a different story, but they're certainly going to dominate the lower half of this.
1: Yeah, the way I look at it, these are two... Two schools that need to win. Like they need with with them leaving, they need to make names for themselves to basically prepare for what is it, the big big twelve? Well, Oregon Oregon's going to the
0: Big Ten. Utah's going to the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, but basically these are their standout years. All right. Especially
0: with especially with Bo
1: Nicks getting ready for the draft.
0: Exactly. Uh, Bo
1: Nicks. Which I think he's better I think he's gonna have a phenomenal season.
0: I think he is it's too. I don't think he'll be better than Michael Penix or Caleb Williams, but he'll no. have a great year.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but you know the rest of the the stuff isn't very important. Yeah, Oregon State has DJ. Who knows what's gonna happen there? UCLA obviously losing um, oh um, fucking blank on his name, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, but still have some good players around the field. Arizona, going into their second year with Jaden Delora, and, and then kind of the rest of the list is kind of boring other than Colorado. Um, let's talk about what teams we think will be ranked and, and kind of what range they'll be in. Uh, I'll start with USC. I, I think they're a top-ten team.
1: Yeah, I have it for both USC and Washington being
0: Okay, 10. yeah, I think for me, Washington and Oregon are kind of in a similar place. I, I see yeah. Washington, like, Washington could be anywhere from, like, Maybe like 13 to like six.
1: Like, yeah. Like, like they have that range from like eight to 15. Yeah. That they can sit in.
0: And then for Oregon, kind of in the same boat, more like a, a 15 to eight, kind of like what you just said for Washington, probably yeah. more like outside the top 10.
1: Yeah. I was thinking like anywhere between like 10 to 15. Yeah. Is where they're sitting at.
0: And then my next one's Utah. And Utah could really be anywhere here, but I I certainly think they'll be ranked. But, like, they could be anywhere from, like, 20 to 10. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat. And then any other teams you think will be ranked? I've I've won. uh, I mean, it's really going to depend on the
1: quarterback play with DJ, but I think Oregon State could slip into, like, that 20 to 25.
0: Yeah, I've got them like anywhere from like 25 to 18. Yeah, but
1: really like going back, like this is with them not having a home next year or like really being one of four teams still. Yeah. In the Pac-12, this is a make your make your make your case year.
0: Yeah, for like, sure.
1: Like see if you can go anywhere and get out of the Pac-12.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't see any other teams being ranked. If Colorado just miraculously looks amazing, yeah, yeah. they'll be ranked. But if if they come out and know. steamroll teams, yeah, with, with how much hype and
1: media is around that team, they'll easily make their way into the top twenty-five.
0: Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody that TCU is not going to be good next year. So don't just be high on Colorado if they beat the brakes off TCU. Yeah, no, because
1: TCU's they lost the- to everything. <laughs> They're about to have a losing record this year.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm fully aware. Um <laughs> they'll certainly be in that position. Uh anybody here that makes the college football playoff?
1: Uh, I think really USC is my top contender. Yeah. For the college football playoff, but Washington can definitely make a push for it.
0: Yeah, I think there's a chance. Um I, I think it's they're really like just super. yeah it's really just usc and they probably won't make it
1: yeah like they're probably going to finish around like you know, anywhere between 5 and 7
0: yeah most if, likely if,
1: if i was to take a guess but um i mean if washington comes out and just goes undefeated then you're looking at a 3 or 4 spot yeah same with usc really same with if utah was to come out and go undefeated this year
0: yeah, but, exactly
1: Yeah, I think USC is the best case For the college football playoffs
0: Alright, Well, let's get into the positional rankings Let's go top three quarterbacks uh, Number one is obviously Caleb Williams Yeah, for sure No yep. question about it, Caleb Williams And then, and there's really nothing to say Heisman winner He's going to yeah. be a finalist this year So, um, next though Michael Penix, a guy who I think will also be a finalist this year I'm um, I agree. Yes. Like the, the, the numbers he put up last year were ludicrous. Like it it is insane what he was doing last year. And now like, like it's what we expect. He still got his great wide receivers and I'm looking for another like 4,500 plus yard season.
1: Yeah. Last year he finished with 4,461 passing yards. And thirty-one touchdowns to only eight interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And crazy. He led he led all starting quarterbacks in the Pac twelve an average depth of target with ten point one. Beautiful. So and they got they got a better O line this year too. Yeah. They got they got some guys in the transfer portal. Cause really their O line was their biggest issue on offense last year. Um and so with it that being improved, Michael Penix is going to feel more comfortable in the pocket. Yeah. And, and if, not, n- not have to scramble as much.
0: And, and as much as they used the long ball last year with a better offensive line, they're going to be able to utilize that even more. Yeah. So DBs are going to
1: have a problem with Washington this year. Definitely. That, that's going to be the case.
0: Yeah. And then. My next one, I, I feel like I just had to go with Bo Nix because we saw yeah. great things out of him last year. He's got the experience; like it's kind of hard to go against that.
1: Yeah, I've, I'm. I got Bo Nix at the three spot too. All
0: right. Well, let's go to the running backs. There's not much to say for the quarterbacks; they all kind of speak for themselves. But yeah. it running back, it, it's a tough one. Th- this conference isn't that great when it comes to running backs, especially recently years, and um. I'm interested to see who you have first.
1: I have Bucky Irving. Okay. From Oregon. Yeah. Just, I don't know. But the, the Oregon off, I, I, I would almost want to take just the Oregon running back, like, trio. Mm-hmm. Like, you got Bucky Irving, Gary Bryant Jr., and Troy Franklin. Yeah. That's, like, Gary Bryant Jr. and Troy Franklin can be easily, easily starters and and 90 percent of offenses in college football
0: yeah they're they're all a fantastic trio together Uh, i have damian martinez from oregon state freshman year last year was fantastic uh 161 carries 982 yards he had seven touchdowns which is kind of low for his usage but nonetheless he was very good um Didn't play much of a factor in the receiving game, but just purely as a running back, he looked fantastic. And since he was just a freshman last year, I can't imagine he'll be worse next year.
1: And he's just going to get more touches. Yeah. But he was was running like a a two running back split, right? Because I'm pretty sure they had a different running back that was meant for like your receiving type.
0: Yeah, I believe so.
1: So this year, he's probably training to be more of a receiving type to just get him the ball more. But the dude's a beast. Oh, yeah. so, so, sophomore season, I'm I'm expecting a lot from him this year.
0: Alright, who's your number two?
1: Uh, I got Carson Steele out of UCLA.
0: I'm in the same boat. Transferred from Ball State, and yes, the sir. numbers look crazy. I know he was playing Ball State, whatever, but you can't deny those kind of numbers.
1: Yeah, and listen, UCLA, they lost its starting quarterback and running back. So, they had to go to the portal for both. So, but listen, Carson Steele is gonna take over this team's offense.
0: Yeah, and like the the career numbers for this guy are crazy. Like in twenty twenty one, for Ball State, he had eight hundred ninety one yards. That was his freshman year. Twenty twenty two, he rushed for fifteen hundred yards. He had fourteen touchdowns.
1: Like I remember uh, last year, his game against Georgia Southern. Yeah, he. I think he had twenty three carries for a hundred and nineteen yards. Yeah, and like two touchdowns. He's crazy. So, yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, look out for Carson Steele on UCLA. Uh, who's your number three? All
1: right, so, I was in a boat. Like I had, I was it's in between Damian Martinez, but also, I don't want to. I don't want to butcher his name. Jaquindon Jackson from Utah?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's correct. But he's like their quarterback.
1: Oh. <laughs> but he led... He's basically a former quarterback who's playing running back this year. Gotcha. So that's... It's it's interesting to see. So I know I made that sound like I just took a quarterback as a running back, but Utah officially announced that they're moving him like changing positions like on the depth chart and everything.
0: What is his name? Jaquinden Jackson. How do you spell that?
1: J A apostrophe Q oh, U
0: okay, I that's what I was missing. N D E N. Got it. Yeah, I've I've never heard of this guy.
1: Yeah, it's uh I don't think he got a lot of touches. I think he was the backup last year. Okay.
0: Well.
1: Uh he played during the USC game. All right. In the first half. But the dude's a runner. Like he he runs like Lamar and Justin Fields.
0: Interesting. Yeah, he's 6'2. So, uh, That's a big running back.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, but also have him platooning with Damian Martinez in
0: that three spot. Okay. Uh my third guy, I'm going with Alton McCaskill. Um, the transfer to Colorado from Houston. Just once again, a guy that put up great numbers at a great power five school. And I just think, you know, in this offense, yeah, they're going to be passing the ball quite a bit, but I think the Dion's going to like this kid. Uh, Last year, he was just a workhorse had almost 200 carries uh, 961 yards. Uh, It was, I believe his freshman or sophomore year um, last year. And uh or actually, I don't. I think he was out last year uh, and only played in 2021. Uh, but still, 16 touchdowns is fucking amazing. And actually, was a pretty good receiver as well. 21 receptions, 113 yards, two receiving touchdowns. So yeah, I, I think he's going to be a fantastic option for this offense. And I, I think that the the receiving side is going to be huge for him.
1: Yeah. I I like that. I just I didn't pick him because I just didn't know much about him.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Especially um, since he didn't play much, like at all last year, it, it does yeah. make it kind of hard to say that he'll be that good. But I really like what he offers.
1: Yeah, it's it's like any th- anything with um Colorado. It's hard to yeah. talk about it until we see them play together, because we've seen what happens when you try to put a team full of superstars together. They don't gel well. True.
0: So we're this, we're gonna we're gonna have to see. Yeah, uh, let's talk wide receivers. Who you got in number one? Uh,
1: Roma Dunzi. Yep, same from Washington.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I, it's 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 kind of a toss up between him and Jalen McMillan because they're both so goddamn good and they play for the same team.
1: Yeah, it's like it's I don't even know if I uh pronounced his name right, but no, like I have Jalen McMillan or McMillan as my second.
0: Yep. Receiver. same they're, <laughs> they're both so goddamn good but yeah uh for for rome like last year only 75 receptions 1145 yards like 15.3 yards per reception only seven touchdowns but that's because he's splitting the targets with jalen mcmillan and uh, i just think the sky's the limit with this guy in this offense
1: yeah like he puts together even a decent year He's gonna be a first round pick, yeah. In this in this next draft, yeah, and
0: easily. The same goes for Jalen McMillan. Last yeah. year, seventy nine receptions, a little bit less yards with one thousand ninety eight, average thirteen point nine per reception. But he had nine touchdowns and, and a long on the season of eighty four yards. So I, I just I'd love what these two offer. I I think that they're gonna be a huge part of Michael Penix's success this year. And also Mm -hmm. just Washington as a whole. Yeah,
1: like that's because a lot of teams just have a one wide receiver guy. Like one guy that gets double coverage and you still try to find him the ball. But when you got two guys who are on opposite sides of the field that are just tormenting defenses, like you got one guy who's just going to slant across the field if he's open to give him the ball, and the other guy's on a go route all the way to the end zone for a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks we'll it's terrifying yeah. when you look at it. So, you know all all co- all coaches that play Washington have it marked on their schedule to where they're only working on defensive practice. Oh yeah. Um leading up to that.
0: Well, uh who's your number 3? Cuz I think there's a lot of guys to choose from here. There is. I took Dorian Singer. Okay. Out of USC. Gotcha. Yeah, I took Jacob Cowing from Arizona. Okay, it's just like, Arizona,
1: It's hard to take anybody from Arizona.
0: Yeah, I know. Honestly, because they're not going to be that good. But I do like Jaden Delora at quarterback. He's not bad. I just need to see like a little bit better play calling from the mm-hmm. offense, and, and you know maybe a better offensive line. But Jacob Cowing still last year had a great game, and he's he's an experienced player. I think that he's going into his fifth season technically. Um, but 85 receptions, just over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Like last year was a great year for him, and he's had great years in the past as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to step up, especially with Singer leaving Arizona. Yeah. He's, he left Arizona last fall. Um, But Singer had 66 receptions for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. So, I mean, he got over that 1,000-yard mark. So, really, with Jordan Addison leaving USC,
0: Caleb Williams needs a guy. Yeah. And Singer is going to be that guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they also recruited some good wide receivers. So, Yeah, they got a good group. Yep. They got a great group. For sure. Uh let's talk defense. Um there's surprisingly some good options here. You know, the Pac twelve isn't quite known for their defense, but I think there's a lot of great young players here.
1: Yeah. So my first pick, I'm gonna go edge rusher from Washington and Braylon Trice. All
0: right. Yeah, my number one is uh I think it's Le'Atu Latu. Yeah. Uh from UCLA. Yeah, he's my number two. Yeah, and Braylon Trice is my number two.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we like this this, uh, this group of uh, edge rushers Yeah, for Monst- sure.
0: Monsters on the edge Yeah
1: um, Just absolutely bulldozed They can put the spin move on And basically, what is it? Latu, last year for UCLA Recorded 36 tackles 12.5 for a loss And 10.5 sacks
0: Yeah, and that was after two years off Of yeah, playing football he, he had a neck injury, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, but he was at Washington twenty nineteen, transferred to UCLA in um in, for twenty twenty two, and had just a fantastic year last year. Like you said, thirty six tackles, ten and a half sacks, like three forced fumbles.
1: Yeah, and Great. I mean it's the it's the same for Braylon Trice. I mean the numbers are almost identical. Uh, thirty eight tackles, twelve for a loss, and nine sacks. So. Yeah.
0: And they're both huge. I think yeah. Braylon's six four. Pretty sure um, Latu is six five. Both like over two fifty. And they they're move fast, so dude. Quick. Yeah, they're fast.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. They're monsters,
0: and they're gonna they're gonna be some issues for some QBs. Yeah. Uh but who's number three? Because I think there's quite a, a, there's a little bit of a gap after these. Two. Yeah. I took Travis Hunter. Same. (laughs) There's just so much potential with this kid, especially being coached by Deion Sanders. He plays DB, but honestly, he also worries DBs because he can play wide receiver just as good as a lot of players.
1: Yeah, we're definitely
0: going to see him on both sides
1: of the ball this year because Deion likes your two-way players. Yeah, he did it
0: himself. Yeah,
1: but let's see. Last year, he... At the wide receiver spot, he had eighteen receptions for just under two hundred yards and four touchdowns. But on defensive side, he had twenty tackles with two interceptions. So yeah. he's he's a, he's a guy. He's a dude for sure. That's about all. That's about all I can say.
0: Yeah, the only weak part last year was uh, his one carry for negative ten yards, <laughs> <laughs> which I think was a jet sweep that absolutely <laughs> failed. At least we know he's not a running back. That's true. Yeah. We don't need to worry about him playing wide receiver, corner, yeah. and running back. Um he but I, I do want to
1: throw in do I want to throw in an honorable mention right. with uh Callan Bullock, mm. safety from USC. Yep. One of the few bright spots for USC's defense last year. Definitely. Because that defense was atrocious.
0: <clears throat> yeah. That's going to do it for the Pac 12 recap. I think overall, we're going to see a, a pretty good season.
1: Yeah. It's, I think, I think the Pac 12 is still going to be offensive heavy. Yeah. A um, lot of scores, but the team,
0: like, we're going to see those defenses step up. For sure. Well.
1: So, a
0: lot of competitive football. All right. Well, let's talk about NFL. Um, Let's start with the 2023 Hall of Fame inductees. Ronde Barber, Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, DeMarcus Ware, and Zach Thomas, uh, as well as some of the guys who were a little bit older that got inducted. Um, what a group. Yeah. Like, wow. Darrell Revis, one of the best isolated corners in the the history of the league. Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas I as favorite. well. Two of the best offensive linemen. It's just it's unbelievable, and Demarcus Ware just a fantastic defensive player, and excuse me, Rondé Barber just a, a legend in his own right. Yeah,
1: my, I think my favorite is Joe Thomas.
0: Yeah, I love he was Joe taught- Thomas.
1: I was I used to be so tempted to get a Joe Thomas Browns jersey. <laughs> he was like he was my favorite player on the Browns with how shit that team was. Yeah, and I he I think he was the best player for the.
0: Oh yeah, and for for many years, like I yeah. saw something uh, on Reddit about it. It was like, I think he has like a a career like two thirty nine winning percentage, and he's a Hall of Famer. Gee, but the
1: dude like <laughs> it's crazy. He he did so much off the field, yeah, that just made him stand out across the whole like country.
0: Yeah, and, and let's talk about post football. He looks insane. Like the difference is yeah, insane. The, the man is living his best life right now. Oh yeah. The man is in crazy shape. Like what? Yeah. Like what was he playing at? He was he was a big boy. I think he was was he like low threes? Probably. He was playing offensive. Yeah, he, he was playing it 6'6, 312. Yeah. And now, That's like,
1: about- he looks
0: crazy good. Yeah.
1: Hey, he he's not playing football no more, so he's got to keep himself in shape and True. make
0: sure that that beer gut stays in check. <laughs> and also, I accidentally called Zach Thomas an offensive lineman. He was a middle linebacker. I, I don't know yeah. why I, I said I that. think, I think you, you got in a groove. You were talking about Joe Thomas.
1: Yeah. And then you went over to Zach Thomas thinking that they were both top dog
0: line yeah <laughs> but uh nonetheless yeah such a fantastic class um ronde barber had a, a, a beautiful speech talked about um saving seats uh at the uh, ceremony that which he genuinely did reserve seats uh for a couple of the players that uh we unfortunately lost over the past couple of years uh but we also you know with this class being inducted That means we look forward to the 2024 class, and we've got a good list of eligible players. Uh, First-time eligible guys like Eric Berry, Jamal Charles, Antonio Gates, Brandon Marshall, Haloti Gata, and Julius Peppers. This is a fantastic group.
1: Yeah. I think two names that really stand out to me is Eric Berry and Antonio Gates. What about
0: Julius Peppers? I think he's a a shoe-in.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. But like, I think when it comes to it, Eric Berry and Antonio Gates really stand out the most with how much they contributed to their team. Yeah, like Antonio Gates with the Chargers, he was Philip Rivers' main guy. Oh yeah, crazy. Good. Like, and like probably one of the best blocking tight ends that I've seen, um, in a, in a while. Yeah,
0: and then Eric Berry, who's just a hawk
1: at the safety spot.
0: Yeah, but. Yeah, Julius Peppers I think easy first ballot guy. Um I don't really see Jamal Charles and Brandon Marshall making it. No. I don't think they had like su- sustained success in the league. So Jamal Charles the way I look at it, he
1: he had a prime. Yeah. But then his career just started going downhill really fast. Yeah, it did. Um but also we got a, we got a couple food names in here too. I mean, we got Barry, we got Peppers.
0: That's you know, it. I, I kinda like it. <laughs> I kinda like it. I like adding a little mix. It'd be an interesting combination. Pepper and berries. Yeah. Hey what are, yeah, pepper jelly. I guess, yeah.
1: yeah Shit, that's not
0: shit's bad. Gas. Throw that gas. on a Ritz cracker. Facts, <laughs> dude. Throw it on top of the cream cheese and then kind of scoop it. Fantastic. Uh but because obviously the Hall of Fame was last week, um, We also got the Hall of Fame game, the start of football, and uh, drew in an average of 6.3 million viewers. That's the most viewed Hall of Fame game since 2018. So uh, it looks like football is back, baby. And uh, because football is back, that means Hard Knocks is back. It actually debuts tonight as we're recording at 10 p.m. on Max, and um, we already saw a little clip. Aaron Rodgers calling a play for Zach Wilson. Um, I, I can't wait. I, I've gotta make a, an interesting confession here. I've never watched Hard Knocks before. Neither have I. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm certainly watching it this year. As yeah, uh, I, as an Aaron Rodgers guy, yeah. I, I have to.
1: I think quarterback really got me yep. got me invested Definitely. into these kind of shows. So like I, I always watch last chance you, um, and then now we got quarterback and now we got hard knocks like
0: i'm loving what we're doing on the television on the tv side yeah shout out nfl films they do a yeah. fantastic job uh but with all this happening that means the preseason gets started and it starts thursday with texans patriots and vikings seahawks and we got games thursday friday saturday and sunday i love it we're back baby we are back though it's kind of fake football Yeah. We're gonna see some real starters out there. Doug Peterson wants to play the starters, and that starts with Trevor Lawrence on Saturday. D'Amico Ryan's confirmed that CJ Stroud is gonna start on Thursday. Baker Mayfield, uh the Bucks released that Baker Mayfield will start week one of the preseason. Kyle Trask will start week two of the preseason. I'm sure we'll see both of them in both games, plenty. But this is interesting. You know, maybe this. Is Baker's just like they're giving him a shot because he's the veteran, or he is actually out in front? Uh, I know we saw reports that Kyle Trask was kind of leading, but there's really no telling. Things change very quickly. Yeah, I mean, who, it's whoever gets hot.
1: Yep. Like whoever's got the hot hand at QB, like we've seen it over in San Francisco when you had the when you have a three way battle with people. I mean, exactly. Whoever just whoever just steps up and can earn that trust with the with the uh, coach is going to take the field.
0: Yep, and speaking of San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan said that it is unlikely that Brock Purdy plays in their preseason opener. Um, he'll continue to practice, continue to move forward from this, uh, this injury, but he's in good shape. He's throwing the ball. He's practicing a, a ton. He's going to be, um, I think his restrictions are all being pulled later this week. So he's going to be good to go just not for the preseason opener, meaning we'll probably see Sam Darnold. Uh, I certainly have not seen good things about Trey Lance. So um, it, it'll most likely be Sam Darnold to start that one. And then Mike McCarthy said he's likely going to sit Dak for the whole preseason, but also said he's not sure. So that's it's it's Mike McCarthy. I don't expect anything else. We're just trying to limit the interceptions early on. Yeah, right? yeah. don't want to get him started off with a, a couple of interceptions in the preseason. But... Uh, the Cowboys also, um, they keep having to remind Micah Parsons to be careful around the quarterbacks. Um, he ran into Dak's legs last week, um, and, and they weren't too happy about it. But Micah said, I get warnings every day. But you know, I've always been wanting to push towards that line. So
1: <laughs> I think I love m-
0: it. Micah Parsons is just a monster. I, I love it. Listen, the only way you're going to get your quarterback
1: ready for this long season. Is to just go ahead and start beating them. What? Hold on. You you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, (laughs) practice, practice we want to talk about going full speed.
0: Okay. 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 Let's move on. Um, You know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about, but it certainly sounds the other way. Um, Okay. Let's move on though. Trevor Lawrence told reporters that he declined an opportunity to be on season 2 of quarterback. He said, "I feel like it's just not the right time for me, maybe in the future." I I kind of get it. Like he's still a very young player. Yeah. And, you know, going through a point in his career where it's kind of, you know, make it or break it. This is that point now. Going into your third season, you're either going to be successful or you're not. And from what we saw last year, he's gonna, but there's really no telling things change. You know, players just all of a sudden will fall out of favor.
1: Yeah. Listen, like you said, this is his year. He's got the weapons to be a contending football team. Yeah. You know, you got Ridley back who's going to be your wide receiver one. Um, Evan Ingram, who's still more of a, more of a wide receiver than a tight end.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Is, do they still got Chark? Or is Chark... Uh, I don't know, but they do have Zay Jones and Zay Christian Jones. Kirk still.
1: Yeah, okay. I just couldn't remember if Chark was... He's been, like, halfway around the league so far. Yeah, there's no telling where he's at. Um, but I, I love the way he thinks. Like, Trevor Lawrence, his mind's in already active for the season. Like, he's got one thing on his mind, and that's a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. So... Listen, go get your bag, T-Law. Exactly. A couple of acquisitions. Uh, The Panthers signed veteran edge rusher Justin Houston to a one-year deal. I think that's a solid move. Just pick up some depth. Uh, The Vikings signed wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Kind of the same thing. Solid wide receiver. And and you get some depth there at the position behind Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. And then uh, the Saints are working out Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I think Kareem Hunt mainly because of Alvin Kamara's. Uh, I think it's a four-game suspension that he got. Maybe it's yeah. three. It's a three or four. Okay. And but then Anthony Barr. Have- have oh, sorry. It, yeah, they, they have, have another- Jamal Williams as well. That's what but said. if you're going to be missing Alvin Kamara, you go go out get a good, pretty good receiving running back anyway. Yeah, because I mean
1: Jamal. Jamal Williams is just going to take over what uh, Mark Ingram did. Yeah, exactly. He's your, he's your goal line running back.
0: Yep. And then going for Anthony Barr is just kind of like used to be a good player, might still have it in him. Yeah. And uh, the Patriots just signed free agent Trey Flowers.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, who was on their last two Super Bowl teams.
0: Yeah, that's a good so, move. So he's back. That literally happened like uh, 42 minutes ago awesome um all right last thing for the NFL news this is just some kind of funny I saw uh the Jaguar's new 120 million dollar headquarters has urinals that measure a player's hydration levels huh that's, that's so kinda, weird that, that's kind of <laughs> sick though it's cool but it's also like like i I, I want to know how it displaced it like is there like it just like goes into a database or it just like flashes up on a screen while you're pissing I think there's just like a little screen at the top
1: that's so weird dude like you walk in you see the person that just
0: left you're like
1: damn bro you dehydrated
0: yeah like fuck it shows like Like, a percentage hey hey, go get some liquids in you my guy yeah man go hit the water cooler yeah that's (laughs) that's funny yeah, that is very interesting. Maybe it's got a PED tester in there too. Honestly, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. That'd be crazy. You're getting PED you're getting drug tested every time you take a piss. At the, <laughs> 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 every time you take a piss. Like think about this being your job. Like you're you're at work and every single time you piss, it's just like, "Yep, you failed." <laughs> oh Steve. my god.
1: See this person in the office right now. Yeah. Fucking, like, there's just like the red alarm goes off and the, yeah. like, alert about the whole
0: building. <laughs> like somebody like runs in the bathroom and like escorts you to an office. <laughs> like you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think uh, that's gonna do it for the NFL news. Let's get into stake your claim and then we'll get out of here. Colin. Would you like to start it off? I know you haven't gotten to do a stake your claim in a while. You know, I haven't gotten to do one in a while, and I've been trying to think
1: of like a good one, and I think I got one. All right. Hit me. Lamar Jackson is gonna throw for four thousand yards and win NFL MVP.
0: All right. His second MVP. Yep. You think so you think he's gonna earn the money? Yeah, I think he is. All right. I love it.
1: Yeah. And like the way we look at it. So right now, and I don't think the Ravens are going to be done getting wide receivers throughout the season. Okay. I think think they're going to keep adding. But right now you have Odell. You got Rashad Bateman, who's hurt right now. But looks like he's going to be back just in time for the season. You got Zay Flowers. Love him. You still have Mark Andrews, who is an elite top three tight end in the league. But you also got guys like Nelson Aguilar, uh, Devin DuVernay, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, you got a good group of wide receivers right now that I think is only going to help Lamar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that. Lamar is kind of primed for a good season. He's kind of got the pressure on him with the contracts, but if we can see a full healthy year out of him, there's going to be no excuses. He's either got to do it or he's not gonna, and it's going to look like a waste of money.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean the running back situation over in Baltimore is not good.
0: No. So
1: like right now your top guy is JK Dobbins and, and then you got Gus Edwards.
0: Yeah, and J.K. Dobbins um, is not very happy with this contract. So Yeah. But
1: so I think Lamar using his legs is gonna help build an MVP uh sort of sheet. And then but you're gonna be forced to throw the ball a lot more. Because all the defenses know that Lamar likes to run. So they're gonna be trying to prevent that. Which is gonna open up Zay Flowers for a sixty five yard touchdown. It's gonna open Odell across the middle like I like the passing game in Baltimore this year. I really do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I like it as well. Um, All right, I'm going to go ahead and do mine. Uh, I could have said this when we did the Pac-12 preview, but I want to save it for this. I believe that the Pac-12 will be the most exciting conference to watch this season. I'm not saying it's going to be the best conference. Obviously, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have great teams in it and all that, but... With all the storylines coming from conference realignment, you know, everybody's leaving. There's only four teams left. All that, like, that's gonna just play into it. The the wealth of quarterback talent in this conference this coming year is gonna be a huge thing as well. Uh Dion at Colorado is gonna be talked about all season. And whatever else comes out of this season, like there's there's a lot of things that you know, we could see develop throughout the year. What team's going to surprise us either good or bad, you know, what, what quarterback is going to emerge out of nowhere. What offense is going to look really good. Like all sorts of stuff is going to continue to come out with the PAC 12. We're going to see how this new TV deal works, you know, kind of behind the scenes look, um, Everything with this conference—it's going to be very exciting to follow. It's going to be good football, and it's going to be real fun to just pay attention to.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I said it earlier that it's just—it's going to be very competitive this year. Yeah. So yeah. I I like that. All right.
0: Well, Colin, it was a pleasure.
1: Yeah, man, a lot of fun today.
0: Truly, we're, I'm we're, I'm we're surprised sh- we're still standing.
1: Yeah, we're so close to football. I think that's the only thing that got me through this.
0: Yep. this episode. Yeah, like, it, I'm just I'm excited. It definitely wasn't the 20 ounces of Red Bull and coffee that got me through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a painful night. Yeah, it, it certainly was, but we got through it. We we both woke up this morning, which was uh, a, a pleasure in its own right, and. um As always, I just want to remind you guys the sacrifices we made to make this episode. We were up all night at work. We come home, we go to sleep, we get up, and we take notes. We record this podcast so that you guys get to enjoy it. And now you got to make some sacrifices for us. You got to sacrifice about five seconds of your time by going to all of our social media platforms, clicking that follow button. You want to stay up to date on everything, you better follow that Instagram, better follow Twitter, TikTok, everything. Then, while you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform you're on, go ahead and give us a follow. Give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple, whatever. Go on Spotify, play three random episodes if you're an Apple listener, and then you can do a review. Leave us a review on there as well. Fuck it. Bend the rules however you'd like to show your support for us and sacrifice just a couple minutes of your time and then go to YouTube, click play, let it play for like five seconds and then leave if you already listened to it. I don't care what you do, but I do want to see y'all's support. So with that being said, I'll see y'all later this week. Colin will see y'all next week. Yeah, Peace. Sure.